The following audio is via a Skype call. Thank you, Eric Kramer. Hi, everybody. TGIF indeed. I'm Gary Mance. I'm Suzanne Mitchell. Together, we are Manson Mitchell in your ears for the hour if we're lucky enough to hold your attention. That's our intention. And we're going to be helped along in that regard by he whom we always rely on every Friday, of course, bad boy Benny Mathers at the board. How are you, Benny? Uh, doing very well, kids. And uh, I kind of surprised you there last Saturday, didn't I? Yes, you did. <laughs> we said hello to Mike and you said hello back. And you know what? I recognized your voice instantly, but, instantly. But but I but but my eyes were rolling in two different directions because I said this makes no sense. Right. <laughs> Mike went through a time warp, but he went the other way. He got younger, I guess. Right? <laughs> Let's do the time warp again. Right. Yeah, it was nice to come in on a Saturday. I was actually helping out uh, Christine Upchurch for a little bit. And so. I had stopped in for a minute, and uh, of course, your show was starting in the background. I'm like, I ran in, and I'm like, can I say something really fast? And he's like, okay, <laughs> okay. <laughs> he was really warmed. He warmed up to it. It was fine. Yeah, I, good. I did want to ask you really quickly, mm-hmm. Benny, the weather out there, is it starting to feel like summer out there? It's gorgeous today, uh, partly sunny, uh, running up to a good weekend. It's not going to be blistering yet. Uh, I'm hoping. I mean, a lot of people are, uh, but you know, we're fair-weathered <laughs> people around here anyway, so. That's right, that temperate zone, which I envy this time of year. Uh, I love the winters in Florida. Suzanne and I reside in Sarasota. But I'm telling you, every summer, the big yellow crayon comes out in Seattle. And we pretty much have that, only it's more of a burnt orange all the time in Florida. And more than ever before, we moved here in the summer of 2011. More than ever before, Suzanne, I am... Hearing on the news and reading, looking at the map on the 11 p.m. news about the heat index. Well, the heat index today got up to 111. Feels like temperature. Tomorrow will be at least 105 and with a real temperature of 94. I'm just going, no, this is this is the time to be planning vacations. <laughs> that whole, that whole feels like comment yes. or yeah. adage, it's, it, does, it blows my mind on why they keep doing that. Just... It's fine. Just tell them the temperature. You know, like, we all know everyone's miserable over, like, 85 anyway. So it's like, just say that. That's right. If they wanted to have a meteorological misery index, now that would count for something. Oh, do it, Gary. Put one together. <laughs> well, another job for me. Okay. Always great to talk to Benny Mathers and to have him with us. Today we're going to be talking to a gentleman who is a metaphysical sophisticate, in my opinion. You know, Suzanne, I haven't used that phrase regarding this gentleman before, but I think it's fair to say he has a sophisticated understanding both of the world as we see it, experiencing it, but also of metaphysical principles. I think that's pretty accurate and very nice. Why don't you introduce our guest today and let's bring him on. I've got the short version of his mad props right here. Garnet Schulhauser is a retired lawyer who lives near Victoria on Vancouver Island with his wife, Kathy. After practicing corporate law for over 30 years in Calgary with two blue-chip law firms, he retired in 2008, and his first book, Dancing on a Stamp, was published in 2012, and he's been dancing ever since. And since the release of his first book, Garnet has been active with book signing tours and speaking engagements. He's been interviewed on over 130 radio talk shows broadcast from studios in the U.S., 
Canada, the United Kingdom, Ireland, and Australia, basically your English-speaking world. And he's going to speak some serious metaphysical English to hear uh, what he has to say and what he has to present is an adventure every time we are joined by Garnet Schulhauser. Sir, we're glad to have you back once again. Well, thank you for inviting me. I'm delighted to be here again. It's, uh, it's becoming a, a, a very nice practice for me to be on your show, and I enjoy every minute of it. This is show number six for me on your show. Well, very good. He's keeping track that, that's, now. Well, so, and so are we. I didn't happen to look it up, but I trust him. It's six. If he says it's six, it's six. He's a lawyer. Yeah. That's right. <laughs> I would not lie about that. We have talked about your books before Garnet, and we've kind of moved from talking about you know what what is in your books, which we are happy to tout on our our marketing break. Um, but also, we've kind of moved into this metaphysical conversation about the world. And Gary and I were talking earlier today and saying, you know, what should we discuss with Garnet? And we each came up with some ideas. And so if it's okay with you, Gary, I'm going to start. Please do. One of the things that we talked about that we'd just like your opinion and insight from when you have um, worked with your spirit guide, Albert, your, your wise spirit in disguise, did you get a sense about um, these, are there shifting power centers that go on in the world where it seems as though the power goes kind of from place to place to place? I know with economic centers, what went from Europe to England to New York continues to move west to developing countries and i'm i'm just wondering if you get a sense of of waves of things that um are strong at some point weak at other points and if you have a sense about how it is that the world works in that way does that does that make sense yes i totally understand you uh albert doesn't typically get into political sort of oriented conversations with me. He t tends to stay away from it. But I, I, I will pass along one story to you that he, uh, and, and I raised the, the issue with him, and I said, Albert, um, there's a lot of angst in the world these days over uh, the, the current president of the United States, Donald Trump, and can you tell me, shed some light, like what, what is happening? Is this, uh, is this the beginning of the end or the end of the beginning? Uh, you know, what, what's happening in the world? He said, let me give you a metaphor. He said, Imagine that there's a man pushing a wheelbarrow down a path in the field. And in the wheelbarrow is a bunch of very fresh manure. It's stinky. It's odious. No one wants to be anywhere around it. But then eventually the man stops, tips the wheelbarrow over, dumps the manure into the field, and a little later the rains come and dissolve the manure down into the soil, and in a couple of weeks a bunch of wildflowers spring up. And that was his metaphor to say, it may seem awful right now, but it, it'll lead to new things and good things. So anyway, I just pass that on. That's just that's that's really the only the, the only political comment I uh, I have in terms of world power. But I thought it was quite interesting. Well, I, you know what? That was so perfect for the kinds of things that we were talking about and and thinking about this morning. And one of my notes says are we birthing a new system, which is kind of like that dumping the manure and having some flowers or some 
some nice things come up uh, out of it. It it feels for us as though um, we are birthing a new way of being, and in that new way of being, that um, some of the old ways are going to, you know, be rained on, and uh, and go away as far as you know, being so strong as we're coming up with something brand new. And I didn't want to make the conversation, you know, only about what's happening in the United States, because we were kind of taking a worldview of this. And, um, and, and the sense of it that I have, and let me see what you feel about that, is this idea of, uh, you know, dumping the manure and then having good things come about. Do you see that kind of moving in in the world where different countries have their their heyday and then they go through this process of being reborn in a different way? Do, am I communicating that well? Yeah, yeah, totally. Yeah, it, no, and I agree with you. It, that's my feeling is that I think that there there there's a a shift going on in the world. Um, and, and I think that right now we seem to be at a very low point, uh, you know, not just the United States, but throughout the world. And, and of course, there's always the specter right now of uh, war with Iran. Uh, you know, there's the North Korea issue, um, you know, the trade war with China. Everything seems to be quite glum, but, you know, there's no saying that it's always dark, it's just before dawn. And my feeling is that, that, that we're, we're going to undergo a shift, a, a positive shift, and it'll start... I think it'll start in the United States, and then gradually it will uh, it'll move, and there will be sort of a rebirth, a, a rejuvenation of uh, of some basic moral principles that that we should all adhere to. And I think it's coming. And I think part of the part of the support for that are the are the people throughout the world, and this is in all countries where people are are trying to raise their vibrations, and in fact are doing so. And the more that the vibrations are raised, then then the less likelihood there is of uh, of violence and fear and anger, and more embracing of love and compassion and forgiveness. So I think that it's a bit of a grassroots movement, uh, which is slowly taking uh, effect. And, uh, and according to Albert, he says, you know, be optimistic. You know, things are, are shifting. They are going to get better. Um, and, you know, stick with it. And you have to sort of, uh, you know, uh, uh, tough it out. And, and uh, you know, the, the dark, dark clouds will eventually disappear. The sun will shine. And the flowers will start to bloom again. And so I think that's a very positive message. I'm just soaking that in. I think that's wonderful that, that we would have such a positive development out of extremely trying circumstances, tragic in many cases. Just look at what happens to infants and toddlers who are with parents seeking political asylum at our border. That would be one big example. So... Uh, I hope we don't fire so many missiles at Iran that we can't afford the soap and the toothpaste and toothbrushes for people who come to us fleeing for their lives. That's just my personal take on it. But I did want to, to, to go much beyond that, Garnet, if we can stay with this for just a few more moments. It's interesting to me how the equal and opposite reaction principle plays into world affairs geopolitics because people say Donald Trump yay or Donald Trump boo but the fact is nationalism in whatever guise and a lot of it is white nationalism is showing up in very 
chauvinistic terms. I don't mean that in the sexist context, but rather we're number one. We have a special significance in the world. With the United States, always, we see ourselves as the, the greatest living democracy, the biggest, the best, and when necessary, the baddest. And then you have Marine Le Pen in France. You have Nigel Farage in England, the UK. You have uh, even in places like Austria, and they know more than a little about dealing with nationalism and in the uh, encroachments of greater powers than themselves. You go around the world and you see various countries, Germany, they deal with that on a regular basis, neo-Nazism, for example. When you see all of that going on, it feels to me like an equal and opposite reaction to these more wholesome and more egalitarian impulses that a lot of us would like to encourage in the world. And I'm not sure what the upshot of all that will be. I'd like to say that it's going to be wonderful, but some days I have my doubts. And I do too, Gary. And, and, I, and I think that what you said is very, very true. But you know, it's the old thing about how the pendulum goes. The pendulum is out to one side and then... When it, when it starts swinging back, it doesn't stop dead center. It moves o over to the other side. That's just how pendulums work, and that's how affairs in our world work. And so we're into a, 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 a period where we're sort of on the wrong side of the center line, um, and it looks pretty grim, but uh, it will swing back. And, and we all have to sort of help it by, by giving it a little nudge, and that's by staying positive and keeping our vibrations as high as we can. And we have to basically understand, I mean, the, 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 the crux of the problem with white nationalism is, is, is just the old thing that, okay, I'm, I'm a white person, I have white skin, there's a person over there that has brown skin or black skin, and they're different, and so I don't trust them, I'm fearful, and I, and I need to sort of protect myself uh, from them, even though, you know, basically they're just a, a human having a journey on Earth just like everyone else. And as soon as people, more people realize that we're all, you know, souls having human journeys on Earth, no matter what the color of our skin or the language we speak, then all that, all that hatred and fear and distrust will slowly dissolve. And that's really where we have to sort of get ourselves uh, in, in that position. And, and, and having people, having, you know, you people on your radio show and other people who write books and, 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 and speak publicly, that's where we have to sort of, that, that's our, our, our soapbox, so to speak, where we can sort of try to persuade other people that look at, we're all in this together, and there's no difference between people, whether they're, they're black, brown, or white, uh, or, or, or what kind of God they worship. You know, we're all just humans. We're all trying to get ourselves through this journey and learn what we can and come out the other side smiling if we can. And, and in the meantime, we've got to hope that we don't destroy our planet before that happens. Good. I, I hope that culturally the world can come out of this pile going, there must be a pony in there somewhere. <laughs> so we're, we're, going to, we're going to keep digging. Yeah. 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 Very good. Um, you know, when we were watching the debates the last couple of nights, one of the things that came up was uh, about uh, gun control and it was interesting that it, they were talking about school shootings. You can anticipate more of them. You know, what do we do about gun control? And how children are going to school and learning what they need to do in the event that there is a shooter at the school. And, and I said to Gary, you know, we had something similar to that. And what we had when we were in school were the drills against 
uh, having a nuclear bomb explode. And so, and, and of course, we did what of everybody should do if there's a nuclear bomb in your area, hide under your desk. Now you're school. safe. <laughs> you put, your, put your head between your knees and, you know, hide you know, under your desk. Now that's going to save you from a nuclear explosion. But we did have those drills. And so even when we were very young, there was that fear factor of, in case there's there should be bombs exploding, you know, where we live, you know, we need to do these drills. And and of course we did fire drills. Now, when I think back on it, fire drills today make a lot more sense. You want to be able to get children out of the schools quickly and easily in case there's a fire in the school. And we did that very well, two by two, you know, down the corridors, down the steps, out the building. But when I look back on our drills for uh, atom bomb explosions, it just makes me slap my forehead. Like, I can't believe we thought that that was going to save us. But there were those fears even then. So it seems as though there's a fear of something going on all the time. And, you know, what do you do to mitigate that rather than giving into those fears? Well, I think you just have to maintain, a, first of all, a positive attitude to understand that, 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 that the, the world affairs go through various cycles. I can remember very well the, the, the Cold War, the nuclear bomb threat, and, and, and I know there, there were lots of people in, in our country, your country, that, that actually built bomb shelters. You know, but the, the fact yes. of the matter is, is that if, if there were, if there were a, a, a nuclear uh, war, I mean, the bomb shelter might save you for a couple of weeks, but what do you do when you run out of food? You come up and, you, and, and, and everything's devastated. You know, so it was, it was a bit silly, just a way of sort of trying to deal with the crisis. But, you know, then that crisis kind of disappeared in 89 with the falling of, of, of the Berlin Wall, and we sort of went into a nice little period where it seemed like the nuclear war would not happen, uh, and, and we cruised along for a while. Now we're back into another rough patch in the road with, the, the, you know, the threat of North Korea, Iran, um, you know, and you never know what, what China's going to do. And, and, and so we just have to sort of button down, batten down the hatches and, and try to work our way through it and, 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 and keep in mind that, uh, you know, this, this stuff will pass as well. And eventually we'll get through this all. Um, but we just got to hope that uh, it, it, nobody makes a, a drastic mistake and sort of starts off a war sort of inadvertently. That could happen. We just got to hope that that never happens and that we get through this period. And then I think the uh, the rain will come and the, and the wildflowers will start blooming again. Well, and I think that's why it came up for me to hear about the gun control and Iran and um, North Korea kind of all at the same time, because, you know, it kind of brought up that issue of the nuclear bombs and what we did as children. And it was kind of all of a mix that, you know, in every generation, there is going to be something to be afraid of. And then, um, as you said, it will pass. Uh, it doesn't mean that you sit back and do nothing and wait for it to pass. But I think that a mistake is just to completely give in to the fear because that's not going to put us where we need to be in order to turn things around and, uh, you know, have things be better, have the flowers grow, have a little bit more positive 
uh, something occurring if we're kind of mired in fear and negativity. And, um, and so for that reason, I'm, I'm hoping that not only nationally, but internationally, this begins to shift. And I, and I like when you talk about world affairs in cycles, because we are not isolated. There are these world affairs going on in countries where, uh, you know, people are afraid for their lives. They're, they're running for their lives. They're trying to be somewhere else. And, um, and so it, it is cyclical. And when you're saying, you know, keep your vibration high, you know, what are some of the things that we can do to keep our vibration high and not get get into the fear and the anger of what's going on? Well, well the worst thing that can happen is, is to, is to uh, allow the fear to sort of overcome and, ro- and rule our lives. And, it, and that's an easy thing to do. If you listen to the, the nightly news, uh, most of the time the stories are all negative, and, if you just, and, and, and they usually don't dwell on the positive stories. But Albert says there's a lot more positive things going on in the world than we ever uh, hear about, um, and we always hear about all the negative things. And of course, if you listen to that and come to fear, then if fear takes over, of course, then it affects your whole life. It affects you, your outlook. It affects your relationship with your spouse, with your family, your neighbors, and your coworkers. And and that that sort of fear can kind of ripple around and and cause more problems than than it really deserves to cause. And so we all have to sort of make an effort to say, I'm not going to be fearful because that, that's going to control my life. I'm going to reject the fear. I'm going to be positive, and I'm going to try to embrace love and compassion. And if we can do that, and, and that also can ripple out in a very positive way as well. I mean, you know, the old uh, random act of kindness, you know, you do it to somebody, and then they do it to someone else, and away you go. So that's what we have to sort of promote, is having getting rid of the fear and, and, and having a positive outlook and, and really uh, understanding that we need to uh, project the love uh, you know, for ourselves, our family, and for everyone else. And, and if we can do that, then uh, the fear will be overcome and we'll, be, you know, we'll sort of spur on this new shift that's coming, this new uh, awakening that, uh, that Albert says is coming. And, of course, it may take a while, but eventually it'll get there. When we talk about global change, we talk about a change of mass consciousness Garnet, I think in terms of the value of time when you have the luxury of it. There Now, when we talk about global climate change, I'm hearing 12 years. We've got 12 years to fix it. I question that exact number. I don't think that you can pinpoint it. I do think that it underscores the urgency of the situation. Yes, I get that. But they've been talking about 12 years for months and months now. So what are we down to 11 years and four months? I don't think you can measure it that way. But what you can do, what all of us can do, is to look back to relatively recent history and see that things that were once considered unchangeable, just sacred cows, sacred cows or intractable problems actually stop being problems in and of themselves. I'll give you an example. Garnet mentioned it a few minutes ago, back in 1989, 30 years ago, three decades have passed since the fall of the Berlin Wall. Now, I don't know about you, Garnet, but when I was a a teenager, let's say, and I'm studying world history in high school, the notion 
of a monolithic and durable Berlin Wall separating East from West seemed to me like an intractable problem. I would think about that or I'd see it on the news and hear some of the tragic stories and I would wonder if it would ever come down. I can remember being very doubtful about that. It's been down for 30 years. So allow space for time to do its work whenever possible. I take some encouragement from that myself. Yeah, and I, I shared your view, Gary, too, as well. I, I thought that there's no way the Cold War would ever end. It just seemed like the, the Soviet Union and the, and the U.S. were at loggerheads, and that would continue. I didn't see any light at the end of the tunnel, but then all of a sudden Gorbachev makes a decision that, okay, enough's enough, and, and down goes the wall. So great surprise to everyone, a great relief to everyone, because that really uh, cooled the tensions in the world. And that's, like you say, it's 30 years ago. But, you know, humans can really can really change. You talk about climate change, and, and of course, that's going on, and, and there's all kinds of, uh, uh, you, you know, Gaia is, is, has been basically lashing out with, with uh, more uh, natural disasters and, and more intense natural disasters as a way of sort of trying to wake us up and make us realize that we have to change our ways. But I'm very confident that we can, because I just, just as an example, it was like, uh, I can't remember, maybe in the 70s, there was a big problem when scientists discovered that there was a big hole in the ozone layer, and they realized it was caused by the aerosol spray cans. You know, we all had it, deodorant, hairspray, whatever. Everything was an aerosol. And, and, and once people realized that that was causing a problem, that was outlawed, and, 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 and as, uh, last time I heard, I think the ozone layer was almost completely rehealed. So humans can uh, change. They can get their act together if, they're, if, they, if they really want to, and that, that's going to happen with climate change as well. I just, we just need enough uh, warning shots across our bow to wake everyone up, wake up the people in charge of governments who have the power to make changes, and uh, eventually it will come. I mean, you hear all the time about uh, cities banning plastic bags and, and uh, our, our, our prime minister is saying he's going to do a total ban of, of uh, single-use plastics in the next couple of years, and that's just spreading throughout the world. And, and that's, just, so that's just one issue of the plastic waste we have. Uh, but if we put our minds to it, we can take care of the problem. We just have to work at it. And while that's going on here in Florida, there was a bill that I believe it made it all the way through the legislature to ban plastic straws. By such and such a date, we would not be using plastic straws in this heavily tourism-driven state of ours. And our governor vetoed it. We can't have people going around saying you can't use plastic straws. Here, have some more plastic. And so we are dealing with that and related environmental issues. But you know what, Garnet? I said to Suzanne the other night when we were dining out, I said, we don't need to have straws with our drinks. There, We can't force our governor to see the light when it comes to useless plastic that, that clogs our landfills and creates environmental problems in our waterways. But what we can do is say no thanks to the straws and just hand them back to the server. We can at least do that much and not be a part of the problem. That made me feel rather good. Hopefully not too self-righteous, but at least it was something I could do. Well, you know, everything has to sort of start with baby steps, and then you take a step at a time. What you did was great, and if people around you see that you're doing that, maybe they'll do the same. Eventually the message will get through to the high levels of government that, okay, people do not want plastic straws. We don't need them, so quit making them and quit clogging up our landfills. So. It has to start somewhere, Gary, and good for you that you did that. 
Excellent. We are talking with Garnet Schulhauser, a lawyer from Vancouver, retired lawyer from Vancouver, also very metaphysically inclined. One of the things that we like about Garnet Schulhauser is that both his left brain and his right brain work perfectly. So we will have more questions and more conversations on the other side of this break. Thank you for listening. We'll be back in a couple minutes. The preceding audio was via a Skype call. Staying connected with Gary Mance and Suzanne Mitchell is easy. Just go to manceandmitchell.com for the latest info on topics and guests. Friend Gary Mance and Suzanne Mitchell on their Facebook pages and like the Mance and Mitchell show page at facebook.com slash Mitchell. If you're on Twitter, share a follow with Gary and Suzanne at Mance Mitchell. Join Gary and Suzanne Friday and Saturday mornings at 10 a.m. for an unusual show that covers everything from personal growth to the paranormal. Here's an amazing act. Here's a tremendous act. Here's a startling act. The amazing, the thrilling, the greatest, spectacular, incredible, exciting, wonderful, world fame, most unusual novelty act. The home of the A-Team of Alternative Talk is ManceAndMitchell.com. Heard right here on Alternative Talk 1150 AM or streaming live from your computer anywhere. On Friday, Manson Mitchell welcome back Garnet Schulhauser from Vancouver, B.C. for another round of metaphysical Q&A. On Saturday, Shauna Fisher talks to the animals both on this side of the veil and the other side. What are your fur babies trying to tell you? Bringing you fascinating talk since 2007. We are Manson Mitchell, Friday and Saturday mornings at 10 on Alternative Talk AM 1150. Talk radio with a purpose. Alternative Talk 1150. Welcome back to Manson Mitchell. We're talking to Garnet Schulhauser, which is always a pleasure. He is an esteemed man of the law of letters and of metaphysics. So this is some high-octane conversation we're having. And if people would like to connect with you, Garnet, what is your website and what is the best way to connect with you? Are you on social media? Tell our listeners if they would like to get to know you better uh, through through online, how they would do that. Well, the best place is to start at my website, which is garnetschulhauser.com. Um, that's hard to remember, uh, but if they, if they Google Dancing on a Stamp or any of my book titles, you'll get to my website. There I have links to all of my social media sites like Facebook and, and LinkedIn and Instagram uh, and YouTube. Um, and on my website, there's uh, uh, descriptions of all my books, uh, they can watch a book video for each of my books. Um, my YouTube channel is linked to my webpage, and on my YouTube channel, I have the recordings of all the radio shows and interviews I've ever done, so people can just access it right there in one spot. Um, and if people want to contact me personally, my email address is on my website, which is contact at garnetschulhauser.com. So I'm happy to hear comments or questions from your from your listeners. Thank you for that. You know, it, it's interesting to Gary and I, and we've talked about this before, that um, you had a, a career, a long career in the law, and then after your encounter with your uh, wise spirit in disguise, Albert, you took this other turn. And, um, and I'm wondering, in your life, when you when you look at those segments, the segment of you know having a, a family and a career and a home and all that, and then what happened to you to get you thinking 
in this other direction, in this more spiritual direction. How does that settle in with you? Do you, do you see conflict? Do you see wholeness? What is it when you when you have two things that are kind of weighted equally, how do those two parts get resolved and reconciled with you? Well, you can't really reconcile them because where I am right now and sort of in, in, in my spiritual track, quite a bit different from uh, when I was practicing law. Uh, but, but I think that, and I've asked Albert this, and he said, well, the, 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 the uh, practicing of law was sort of the, the lead up, uh, the laying the foundation for the next part of your life. You know, and, and when I was practicing law, I was very much of an A-type personality, stressed out. I was arrogant, condescending. Um, you know, I, I met Albert. He confronted me in his disguise as a homeless man. Before I met him, um, I would look at these people on the street. I'd often encounter them, and I would think to myself, you know, why don't you get a job like the rest of us, you bum, and quit living on the street? Uh, I have a totally different attitude now after meeting Albert uh, and understand sort of how the world works, how the cycle of reincarnation works. And so... I'm on a totally different path, and so I, I can't reconcile my law practice with where I am now, but I have to just recognize that that was sort of a, a first stage in my life, and now I can actually appreciate better where I am now because of what I did for the first, you know, 30-some years of my life. And so um, it, 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 uh, it, it, there's quite a change, and uh, the change is much more for the better. Um, I look at people much differently because I understand now, you know, who we are and what we're doing here. Um, whereas before practicing law, it was sort of like I need to do the best for my clients and make as much money as I can and, and you know, get the big house and the cars and all that sort of thing. I was very much of a materialistic sort of uh, uh, pursuer. Um, not so much anymore. I realize it's all fleeting. I mean, whatever, whatever we have here on this, on, on, on this journey, it, it, it stays behind. You don't take it with you. And, and for that matter, you wouldn't want to take it with you because there's nothing here on this planet that you would ever need on the spirit side after you pass. But it, but it just, for most people, they don't quite realize that. And it's sort of like you hear the saying, you only go around once, so you might as well make the best of it. Couldn't be further from the truth because you actually go around many times as you like. And uh, whatever happens here stays here other than the lessons that you learned. And so it doesn't matter if you're, if you're a billionaire, you don't take any of that with you. If you're a, 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 a poor pauper living on the street, um, you know you don't have to continue that when you once you pass on. And, and you just have to recognize that, uh, that, that there's, a, there's a difference between life on earth and, and, and life back at home on the spirit side. And so for me, um, meeting Albert was just an amazing transformation, an amazing change. And now I look at things very much differently. And I, I, I actually, when I look back at my law uh, practice, I, I often chuckle that when, when I think about some of the things that I did, some of the things that I thought, uh, you know, my way of life. Um, and, I, and I just look at it and say, okay, well, that was an experience. Hopefully I've learned something, and now I'm on this uh, new course, and that's where I want to be. Okay, so what is the answer to the question, what are we doing here? Well, what are we doing here? We're all, we're all here on a journey. Like, we all, we're all eternal souls, and, we, and we, all have, we all came from the spirit side, which people say, you know, home or beyond the veil. Um, uh, and, and why we came here was because we wanted to learn some things, experience certain challenges that we could use to grow and evolve. Like our, 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 our purpose really is to continue to, to acquire knowledge and wisdom as souls, and we, and, and we do the sort of the fast-tracking of this acquisition by incarnating into denser planes like planet Earth, which is one of the toughest schools there is. And so 
we deliberately, we each chose voluntarily to come and to choose the life that we have. Uh, you know, we, we, pick, we pick out the, the, the place we're going to be born, the first language you learn, the identity of our parents and siblings, friends, relatives, and that sort of all sort of sets the stage for where we think we want to go. Uh, and then when we get here, unfortunately, we don't remember why we came here, but we have to sort of try to struggle and flounder around somewhat blindly uh, to try to find our path, find the path that we intended for ourselves. And, and but, but, you know, not, not to worry, because as Albert says, no matter how many wrong turns you make, no matter how many times you go off course, uh, you're always going to learn something, whether it be, you know, a good event or a bad event, and, and there's never sort of a wasted life. And so you, you're always, you're always going to grow and evolve to some degree. When you finish this life, Suzanne, you, have, you look back at, this, at the life you just finished, and you look at the good things you did and the bad things you did, and, and it's a learning tool. And then you can say, okay, well, um, do I want to go back to jump into planet Earth again and, 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 and try some new challenges, or do I want to say bye-bye, you know, so long and I'm going elsewhere? So it's entirely our choice, but we do it in order to grow and evolve. And so, uh, you know, and a lot of people have said to me, well, why, if you can choose your life, why on earth would you choose to be a, a blind beggar in Calcutta? And it seems very strange because, what, you know, if you have your choice, why wouldn't you choose to be Prince Charles? Um, it, but there's very good reasons for it that we don't remember. Uh, and, uh, you know, the, the, the person who chooses to be a blind beggar is obviously a very courageous soul who wants to really have uh, experienced a very tough existence on earth so that they can uh, see if they can get through it without, um, you know, with a smile on their face and, with love in their hearts, and so that's what we're all trying to do. Now that leads me to ask you, Garnet, if if I'm a blind beggar in Calcutta, man, did I make a wrong turn in life, I figure, or I was born into that, which to me, looking at it metaphysically, presupposes the element of choice. And I'm curious to know how you feel about it or what you've been able to glean from your own spiritual contacts. If somebody is born into the royal family, or they're born a Rockefeller, or born a Trump, that's one kind of experience. If you're born among the poorest of the poor in Calcutta, that's quite another kind of experience. Have you ever gotten any confirmation as to the possible element of choice in order to either deal with karma because of some past wickedness, if reincarnation actually exists, or is there an accelerated kind of spiritual growth that can only be obtained by having particular kinds of lives or lifestyles on this planet? Well, it varies with each soul because everyone has a different journey. Everyone's had different past lives. And so, and, and, and of course, we do create negative karma as we go through. I mean, we've all done a lot of bad things. And uh, I, 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 I I've had a number of uh, past lives. I don't know about the details of all of them, but I know that we've all done some very bad things. Um, and then and that when we finish those lives, we sort of look back at it and say, okay, well, I was a, a pretty mean son of a gun there, and, and I did some awful things, so I'm going to jump back in and try to do better in my next life, try to erase some of that negative karma. So, so it's different for every soul, but, but the, the, the whole purpose is to, try to, is to try to acquire knowledge and wisdom and to grow and evolve so that we can sort of raise our, raise our level of advancement as souls. And, and uh, you know, the, 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 for, for people who have gone through a number of very uh, harsh lives, um, it, that may be a re result of, of something they did in previous lives where they were very wealthy and they were very cruel to people. I know one example uh, that, 
that, that Dolores Cannon, my, the founder of my publishing company, uh, she said in one of her sessions was that there was this lady who was, uh, who was born blind. Um, and, uh, and, and during a session, they, they, they inquired uh, to her higher self, you know, why did this happen? Well, it turned out that in the previous life, she had been a wicked tyrant who enjoyed poking out the eyes of her prisoners. And so having done that, she decided, okay, well, I guess I need to see what is it like to live as a blind person. That's a very simplistic explanation, but those are the kinds of things that souls sort of take into account, uh, you know, when, when they're planning their next life. And so, you know, the, the blind beggar in Calcutta chose that life maybe because uh, in a previous life uh, he or she was a very rich person who was very cruel to poor people. And so you don't really understand what, 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 what it's like to have the shoe on the other foot unless you actually experience it. And so those are, those are a lot of the factors that, that go into play when we're choosing our next life. But all of it is just for a, a very positive sort of moving forward and advancing our interest as a soul. And, 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 and the good thing about it, Gary, is that no one makes us do it. It's not, it's not forced on us. No one says you have to go back and be a blind beggar in Calcutta or, or a quadriplegic or whatever other affliction that people may have. You choose that for yourself. And if you don't feel like you're ready for that, you just pass on it and, and go ahead and have a different life, an easier life. But eventually, you know, most souls realize that, you, you, you know, you can come back uh, as, a, as a child of a very wealthy family, life after life after life. After a while, you're going to realize, well, I'm not really learning all that much. And I'm, and, and, and I'm you know, and I, I need really to change, uh, my, uh, change my whole tactic and, and try to learn uh, what it's like to be not somebody who's wealthy and well-off, you know. And, and wealthy people also have their own challenges. I mean, it's not like you can look at Prince Charles and say, well, what a cushy life he has. He has 150 servants, you know, even has a servant who, who squeezes the toothpaste onto his toothbrush, you know, and you can think that's, that's a pretty cushy life, but he has his own issues, he has his own problems, and, uh, you know, you, you can't just judge by looking at somebody as to whether or not they're having a great life or a harsh life or what their problems are. And I remember mentioning that to somebody at one of, one of my conferences when I spoke about how I said to Albert, well, why, how come I couldn't, uh, you know, uh, be incarnated? Why didn't I choose to come back as Prince Charles? And somebody, and the lady in the audience spoke up and said, you wouldn't want that because then you'd have to put up with Camilla. In any event, I <laughs> yes. short aside. So anyway, every, every, everyone is not as they seem necessarily. Um, you know, the blind beggar in Calcutta may in fact be happier than Prince Charles. We don't know. And, 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 there's, and they, they all had good reasons to choose wh- whoever they incarnated into. And, so, and, and you, you chose your life, Gary, and so did you, Suzanne. You, you're, not, you're not allowed to know exactly why or what lessons you're supposed to learn or what path you're supposed to follow. That's, that's what makes it such a big challenge on planet Earth. Um, and, uh, but, you know, you're, as far as I can tell, you guys are doing very well. And so hopefully you're, you're on the path you chose for yourself. You know what's interesting about what you said, Garnet, is that Gary and I have heard something similar before from at least at least one other guest, maybe more, that we are looking for a variety of experiences over several lifetimes so that we will sometimes have a life which is the opposite of what we had before. 
where uh, abusers will become victims and victims will become abusers. And, and it's like in, in all of these human experiences, it seems as though in order to reach some kind of enlightened state, like a, a permanently enlightened state, it's as though you need to experience uh, everything and not just a single path. And as you said, you could have several lifetimes, which are all very luxurious, but there would be something so missing in having a life of struggle that um, you, you would never understand it. So in contributing to our understanding of ourselves and the understanding of what is life, what is reality, and you know what am I? It's as though over many lifetimes we are trying on all kinds of costumes, all kinds of hats that we're wearing for the experience of it. Yeah, absolutely, the, Suzanne. That's exactly yeah. what, what, what what happens. Um, and, and and so most souls, according to Albert, I mean, we go through a number of lives, and and, and the reason for that is that we want to experience life on earth as a human or uh, you could even incarnate as an animal if you want in, in all of its many facets and you can't you can't experience everything fully if you always choose uh, a life of luxury or if you always choose a, a life of hardship so you, so we, we, we choose to vary these lives cycle through them we also ha have our lives varied between male and female because you can't really uh, truly appreciate life as a human on earth if you're always a male or you're always a female so we always we always switch the roles and, and when we travel in a, what Albert calls a soul group, where there's a group of souls that we sort of uh, join together for our journeys on Earth, and we change roles. So that one time, you know, Suzanne, uh, you're, the, you're the mother, the next time you're the uncle, the next time you're the son, and you keep on trading places with the people in your soul group, and they all have to sort of sign on to what's going on, so that it, it, whatever life you choose, you have to have your, the, the agreement of the souls close to you, like your parents, siblings, and so on, who agree to play a part in your life, and you have to agree to be part of their lives. And so it's all sort of a consensus kind of um, life planning. Um, and, 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 but that's a good thing, because then you, uh, you have, a, you have this sort of this support group. When you, when you leave your, your, your human body here and go back, uh, you know, members of your soul group will be there to, 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 you know, to cheer you up uh, if, if you had a bad life, to you know, counsel you, to uh, welcome you, and make you feel like you're part of a part of a group that's sort of on a group adventure, and that you keep on changing roles as you go through life on Earth, and and so that's that's very comforting. And uh, you know, as, as long as you understand that, no matter what situation you're living in, no matter how bad it may be, if you understand that you're having a, a basically a short time journey on Earth in this situation, and it doesn't last, and that it'll soon end, and you'll be back to the happiness of the spirit side. That makes it a whole lot easier to endure whatever it is you're enduring if you understand that. On the other hand, if you think that when you die, that's, that, that's it, there's nothing else, then you're going to be pretty bitter about the fact that, you know, how come my life, uh, you know, as short as it is, is so awful? Um, and, and, and who put me here? And, and what is God trying to do to me? Or what is the universe trying to do to me? When you realize that you planned it all yourself, it makes it a lot easier to endure whatever you're enduring. You know, the other thing is, 
Um, I, I've never met a single person that doesn't have some kind of trouble. And, and you were saying, you know, even Prince Charles, who gets his toothpaste squeezed out of the tube for him, even he has problems. Every single person on this planet is dealing with something. And I think it's interesting that if we take that metaphysical viewpoint that everybody's dealing with something, some issues that they are struggling with, if we stop resisting that, stop resisting our situation and say, you know, rather than uh, fighting it mentally, uh, I, I don't like the way things are, if we just completely gave into experiencing that and saying that, you know, either I'm very rich or I'm very poor or I'm very white or I'm very black or you know, whatever whatever it is that we are he, here doing, whether we're male or female or, or what it is, but just embraced exactly who we are and what our situation is, it seems like it, we would all be a little bit happier thinking it shouldn't be this way. I'm not happy with this situation. And if we just said this is what I designed, this is what I meant to experience, and I'm happy with it, it seems like not only would we be happier in this life, but it would further us along in our, our, the wisdom that we're trying to gain by being here. Yeah, absolutely. You're totally right. Uh, and, and, and that's one of the big things. And that's certainly one of the things that's really changed my life is when I realized, that, realized who I am, why am I here, uh, you know, and I'm here to learn and to grow and evolve. And, and that when bad things happen, I say, okay, well, uh, there, there's a lesson or something for me to learn from this. And if I have the right attitude to say, okay, uh, I may not like what's happening to me, but I know that there's a reason for it and it's not going to last forever. And so if you sort of take that attitude, then, yeah, you are much happier. You get through life, uh, uh, you know, w- w- with a whistle and a song as opposed to being, uh, you know, wallowing in self-pity and wondering, why the universe is so mean to you, you know, once you realize sort of the, 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 the way the cycle of reincarnation works, it's sort of like, okay, uh, there must have been some reason that I chose this life, uh, and, I, and I'm just going to have to deal with what comes along, and if it's not to my liking, well, just, you know, tough it out and things will change, and eventually, at the end of the day, when you die, it's all over, and, and, and you leave it behind. Yeah, there's a certain level of acceptance, I think, that will put you in the right place to mentally to to accept the way things are instead of always fighting the way things are or wishing they were different. And it, it seems as if you would like to progress through your troubles faster that you shouldn't resist them. If you're, you know, no matter what your trouble is, whether it's career, health, relationship, whatever it is, if you can experience it to fully, then it seems like you can move on. You know, once you have gotten the the complete experience and the lesson that is involved in that, then you do, you can stop doing that. You can stop resisting that thing. And move on to something else. And um, and go ahead. No, no, sorry. Go ahead. I was just going to say exactly is, is that yeah. Once you sort of accept the situation, accept you know what it's uh, that there's some lesson for you to, to learn from it, uh, uh, and and stop resisting it. 
then you're free to sort of move on and put that behind you and, and, and get on to the next challenge, the next lesson that you're supposed to learn. And, and that's, that's, you know, if everyone could do that, as I mentioned earlier in the, in the broadcast, you know, if everyone truly understood that whatever's happening, uh, you know, to other people, when you look at people on the street, coworkers, people driving on the freeway, they all have their issues, they all have their problems, they all have their own journeys, and they all have different things that they set out to learn. And, and so you can't, you can't judge people. You shouldn't judge people because you don't know where they've been and you don't know where they're supposed to be going. And you don't know how many past lives they've had or what they've encountered. And so you have to just look at it with the, with, with the viewpoint that, okay, there's just another soul who's struggling to make, uh, make the most out of their journey on earth, and I should recognize that fact and I should not judge them. I should not be fearful of them, and I should just wish them the best of luck. And if, and if, and if, if everyone could do that, we'd have a whole lot less violence and conflict on our planet. It was almost 40 years ago when I someone said to me, what you want is new problems. And so if you have a problem of not enough money, you want the problem of too much money. What do I do with all this money? How do I manage if, this? If you have a problem of no relationship, you want a new problem of having a relationship that you don't know what to do with. So it is. You just don't want the same problem your whole life. Well, I've long said that the, there are only two problems associated with intimate relationships: not having one and being in one. If you can solve that Zen koan, then you're a master. I, I, I like that a lot, Gary. Yeah, no, that, that's very true, uh, and, and for sure, we, we to the extent of having problems, you're right. Having new problems is much better than sort of continuing to deal and resist with an old problem, and 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 put the old problem behind you you have to recognize that there's something there to be learned and i'm going to recognize that uh, you know i have to take the next step and move on find my next problem and deal with it then yes you want new problems you want new things to solve and that is the learning yeah that's the learning curve just stop with the old problems because because your old problems just get boring i'm tired of having that problem i want new problems, I want new problems. But we never get tired of you, Garnet Schulhauser. We hope you'll come back and talk to us again very soon. We learn a lot from you, and we enjoy your company, perhaps someday person-to-person, -person, up close and personal. That'd be great, and thank you for inviting me again. And I'd dearly love to meet both of you in person. So next time you're in the area, uh, look me up. Will do. All right, stay tuned for the Christine Upchurch Show, followed by the Susan Harmon Experience. And after that... American Road Trip Talk with host Gary Mance. Well said. We hope this is the start of a great weekend in your life, everybody. Stay tuned whenever you can to AM 1150, Seattle's home of alternative talk. The preceding audio was via a Skype call.